Hello and welcome to the Jersnet podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans and where the content is absolutely free. I'm your host, David Wren, and as always, we are live tonight, streaming on YouTube, where you can get in touch as we go using the comments section. Um, the show is also available to download or stream after live broadcast and is available on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Switcher, and Spotify. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything that we are doing. Um, it's been a positive week for the club, progression the Betfred Cup firstly on Wednesday, followed by a thumping victory over Aberdeen at the weekend at Ibrox and um, joining me to dissect both matches is Ian Duff. How are you doing, Ian? Good, thanks. Yep. Positive positive week and weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, certainly yesterday it was, uh, was an enjoyable uh, enjoyable game, no doubt about that. Um, and also joining us tonight is Graham. How are you, Graham? I'm absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much, David. Especially yeah, after... Great start to the weekend yesterday. Positive time about Rangers fan anyway. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, looking at obviously yesterday as you both mentioned, that's four clean sheets in a row, five wins in a row, fourteen goals in five games. Ian, yesterday's game obviously to, to, to have such an emphatic win over Aberdeen, I think it worse than Derek McInnes's time at, at the club. Um, how how satisfying is it to to? get that victory, especially after, you know, what happened last season when we were beaten twice at Ibrooks by Aberdeen. Yeah, I mean, I think last season, those games against Aberdeen were the, uh, amongst the lowest points, really, the season, really. So, I mean, it was important, you know, that to show that we've progressed to to uh, uh, completely turn it around this year. And, you know, I think yesterday really, uh, really uh, did that. Um you know, it's, you know, as you say, I mean, you know, you look at those stats since the international break. It's 14 goals scored, one conceded, five wins. I mean, you know, that's you know, pretty impressive stuff. So you know, when you um, when you lay it out like that, you know, you can look at individual games, I suppose, and and, and analyze different aspects of it. But you know, the the bigger picture, certainly for the last uh, sort of three or four weeks, has been very, very positive, and that just was icing in the cake yesterday. Uh, Graham, as Ian mentioned there, it's obviously shows, I suppose, how far we've come from last season. But were you surprised with the manner of the victory, even, even you know, in the Aberdeen had a few injuries and stuff like that? But were you surprised at how easy it was for, for Rangers? Um, if you think about it, we've, we've more or less been scraping results in the last. Uh, two or three uh, domestic games. Um, so well, it did come as a little bit of a surprise, but it wasn't uh, like a complete shock. I mean, Rangers have been due to, as far as I'm concerned, Rangers have been due to give somebody a right good spanking, if you like. Um, and against Aberdeen, we everything just seemed to click properly. Uh, the, way, the way we were playing, our front three were ex- outstanding. And uh, we're two holding midfielders, and and Davis and Jack were, well, you know, uh, 
Davis allowed Jack to do a lot more than than he's normally been allowed to do against the midfield. So yeah, I thought I thought it was a case of um, it wasn't a shocking uh, revelation to me that we were that good, uh, but it was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, Ian, as as Graham mentioned there, obviously Stephen Davis getting a, a great deal of um, praise. You know, he seems to be really getting sharp now because obviously when he came in at first, I think it, it was safe to say, you know, he didn't quite hit the ground running last season. And then towards the end of the season, he really became quite important. And then I think yesterday's performance is probably his best since he, he came back to the club. Do you think there's a case to be made for him being the best signing in the summer, both, you know, for the fact that I don't think, I don't think we had to pay any money for him and to get someone with that sort of experience in a deal like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, his experience is absolutely vital because I think that was one of the things last season that stood out was that, you know, we had games where we played really well but just couldn't manage the game and, and ended up either losing or, or drawing and, and dropped a whole load of points throughout the season and games like that. And we needed people with uh, his kind of, not not just his ability, but his he's cleverness and the fact that he has experience, he's been there, you know, not not just at the top level in England, but he's been there at Rangers, which is you know I say this all the time, but it, it's a totally different kettle of fish. You know when when you're you know you can play at the top level in in different leagues, uh, but the demands of playing at Rangers specifically are quite unique. And, and you know he's been there and done that. It was about I think it was quite similar when he when he signed the first time around. He was. His first season, I think, when he was on loan, um, I might be wrong on that, but I think so. But he wasn't, I didn't think anyway, outstanding. But as, as the, the time progressed, then he, he just settled into the, the, the role and, and became a, a major uh, part of the team and, and one of the most vital parts of the team, in fact. And that seems to be the way it's working now as well. And, you know, there's one point yesterday I, I remember Aberdeen had very few chances but they had one where they, they towards the end of the game when they, they broke through and uh, he was there he was the man who came back from midfield and, and cut off the, the attack and took the ball forward to just hoof it up the park passed it on to someone and, and created a, an attack for us and that, that's got to be you know that's that's where his strengths lie just getting up and down the pitch and, and dominating the midfield hey, Graham do you think that Obviously, Ryan Jack's come in for a lot of praise and, and, and some of the others. You know, Arfield was, was fantastic for his last season. Do you think Davis has possibly slid under the radar a wee bit this season and then yesterday's possibly the, the game that's properly shown, you know, how, how vital he is in, in that engine room? Well, you know, Davis is, for me, Davis has improved um, game on game since he arrived back at Rangers. Um and what's what's great to see is that when, when Davis is playing well, everybody in front of him is also generally playing well. It's, it's very rare that, that when Davis is playing like that, the folk that are in front of him are, are poor. And if they are poor, we've seen Stephen Gerrard changing that and, and, and replacing someone. So, yeah, it's not a surprise that Davis is, 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 is probably, in my opinion, the best midfielder in the Scottish League at the moment. Um, I just want to ask Ian as well when you look at the, the, the options that we've got in, in central midfield at the moment who 
in your opinion, would be the would be the strongest three in there, you know, for the for the bigger games, I suppose. Well, God, I don't know. Um, I mean, I suppose uh, Jack and Davis are, uh, you know, probably the the obvious ones, and and then you sort of look at uh, one, one other out the the rest of the, the the team there. I mean, it depends, I guess, and you know, I, I like Aribo, uh, but whether he's you know the the man to go in there in in the bigger games, I don't know. Um, Arfield in that position as well. I mean, he he's He's uh, potentially, you know, a, an option there as well. So, I mean, I think the the most important thing is that you know we've got options, when, and in the past we haven't had options. So, um, you know, without wanting to be sort of cliched about it, it's horses for courses. I guess it will depend the the teams we're playing and the the, the kind of demands that that game will, will will have as to the kind of player we want. If we want three sort of defensive midfielders almost if you like if that's what it suits like or if we want somebody who's a bit more uh, a bit more positive and then you know we, we have to do it accordingly I thought um, if you don't mind me interrupting you there uh, David uh, I, would, I would probably say that Scott Harfield had his best game mm. uh, yesterday uh, for Rangers in that uh, in that, for that in that position further back there um, he's been playing he's been playing just off a striker recently and and for me, he hasn't really been firing. And uh, he's had quite a few chances that, are, and it's just not going in for him at the moment. But uh, eventually that will come. Um, I, I think Steven Gerrard had played him there a couple of games ago in a domestic game. I can't remember what one it was. Uh, and it didn't quite work. But then he didn't have Greg Stewart in front of him. And uh, the inclusion of Greg Stewart was a surprise for me yesterday. Um, but also how Arfield played in that, uh, that deeper role and uh, how those front three players interacted with each other and their movement was was basically unstoppable. Aberdeen just could not live with it. They were chasing shadows for, for the majority of the game. I, I do wonder, you know, when you look at the, the makeup of the team yesterday, and obviously Morelos was dropping in a bit more and, and Stuart was sort of taking on the number nine role at the game. I don't know if that would possibly be something that we'll now see in the team as well. You know, this sort of playing... Arfield a bit further back with Davis and Jack rotating, you know, and then not playing Morelos a wee bit deeper. You know, I think it was a, certainly a change of shape yesterday. Um, Ian, do you think that's possibly something that, that Gerald will look at doing is, is introducing someone to play beyond Morelos? I got the impression from what I heard uh, Gerard saying after the game yesterday was that Morelos was kind of doing that off his own back almost, you know, so he, you know, it wasn't part of any kind of strategy. He was just coming back deep and, and, and doing that. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I can only see, you know, I think Morelos is the, going to be the focal point of the attack and uh, the, the rest of the players will, will work around that. I, thought, I suppose the key is that, if if Morelos starts dropping back deep and and then the, it's up to the other players to to fill that gap and and react to that as well. So w- whether it's, it's set up that way or not is maybe not that important. It's more just how the game develops and how the players sort of fit into the the way the the, the match is uh, is developing. And if if you know Morelos starts to to wander and come back deeper and and start making things happen further in the park, then you know like you say whether it's Stuart or 
uh, Ojo or uh, or Kent or whoever it is that's it's playing up there alongside them, then then they have to sort of come in and and fill the fill the space in the in the number nine position. But I mean, I thought Morelos was about doing similar against Livingston uh, <clears throat> midweek as well, which wasn't a great performance overall, I suppose. But the uh, but he was probably the best player I think on the park, and he was doing similar as the game progressed. He was coming f- much further in, further back, and and picking the ball up uh, almost at the edge of the midfield area, and and, and starting to make things happen. Um, so uh, yeah, as long as the other players are alert to that, then that's you know that's great. Yeah, looking at Greg's Shurius, the Graham. He, he really made an impact on the team and I think he he showed sort of what he a glimpse of what he showed at Kilmarnock at the beginning of last season um, I said I actually said in the last the last podcast I was on about Stuart and how I thought he could come in you know and play the league games especially after the European ties is that is that something you think will happen going forward because he's obviously had a great game yesterday against one of the, the so-called better teams in the league Um do you think he, he can make that that impact and show a, a similar consistent well I suppose a consistency to his play uh, in comparison to yesterday? Well, I don't see why not. Um, he might not make the, the the European games. Although in saying that, we're we're a little bit thin on the ground for the European games with uh, a number of injuries. Uh, Kent, um, Jordan Jones, uh, Joe Rebo. So you know the shirt might actually be Greg Stewart's for the keeping for the moment. And definitely in, in the domestic games, um, especially with Alfredo playing the way that he's playing, you know, that dropping, di- dropping deeper to pick up the ball, it doesn't matter whether it's centre, whether it's left or right, and then you've got Greg Stewart going beyond him. I mean, it was perfect yesterday. Everything was, everything was, it was a joy to watch, actually. The football was magnificent. I think a, a great example of Greg Stewart and, and his ability, I think, in yesterday's game was when he, he set up Arfield for that that chance um, in the second half and he's sort of got the ball, he's back to goal and then he's, he's swivelled and got away from the defender and set Arfield up. He, he offers something completely different, I think, um, to anything else we've got, Ian. And I think domestically he could make an impact. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't really know an awful lot about him before he signed. Um, hadn't really seen him playing very often uh, at all and I didn't really know what to expect from him. Um, and what he's, his appearances up until possibly yesterday were pretty, you know, few and far between and, and hadn't really had an, an opportunity to uh, to perhaps show what he can do. So, you know, it was, it, I think it was a big game for him yesterday and the fact that he took the chance and, uh, and, and did impress is, you know, says a lot for him because, you know, a lot of players when they get that opportunity, when they've not had the chance, they, they don't take it, and you know, and, and you know that you know almost ends their, their chances in the future. So uh, the fact that he stepped in and he could quite easily have had a hat trick uh, yesterday. You know, he had a, a, a shot hit the post and uh, had one uh, decent save from the keeper as well. I think. Um, so I mean, he was he, he was definitely on fire and and had you know. Had things gone differently for him, he could have been walking away with the, the easily walking away with the man of the match award. And uh, you know that's what you ask. You know, if, if a player's you know on the fringes and and he gets the chance, then you want them to come in and and take that chance. And it says a lot about his his personality or his character or or, or his ability or whatever you want to call it. Um, that that he came in and he did take the chance. So good, you know, good on him. And I hope he gets another, uh, more opportunities. 
Graham, Ian touched on a wee bit there, but obviously we've got players players in the team this season, likes of Stuart and Barker, who are getting chances due to injuries and stuff like that. It's good now to see them come in and make the most of it because perhaps that wasn't something that was happening last season. Well, that yeah, that's that's true. We mean, I mean, the way we've been playing, we've been playing with the the, the three up front or four four three or whatever variation of the four four three system that you're talking about. Um, and and I've noticed that when we play with two wide men who have got primarily using their speed, they don't have much space to move into. So you could look at it and say that it was it was a genius tactical move by Stephen Gerrard. But then when you listen to Stephen Gerrard's interview about it. He says, you know, he never really had any intentions of playing in that fashion. It was just that Greg Stewart made it, you know, an option that he couldn't refuse. He, he had to play him because of the way that he's been training. So, I mean, Greg Stewart's worked his way into that team. And uh, the results were 5 nothing against Aberdeen yesterday. Um, just, I suppose, Ian, just before we let you go, I'm just wondering what you think Pleasing is it to get one over in, in Derek McInnes and Aberdeen, I think, as a, as a fan, especially now, because it's been there's been a lot of ups and downs, in the, even even in Gerald's time uh, Rangers, so it's, it's got to be satisfying to then get a result with that. Well, I mean, it's always satisfying. I mean, to be honest, though, I'm not... I mean, I think McInnes is somebody we should just sort of move on from now, really, to be honest. I mean, he's you know he had he had his opportunity. I wasn't in favour of him being the, the manager anyway, so I'm glad it worked out the way it did. And I think, you know, the subsequent sort of year or two or however long it's it's been now, a uh, year, I suppose it is, uh, I've, I've borne that out, really. I mean, I don't think he's really done all that much that, at all uh, that would say we've uh, missed out. So yeah, yeah, great, satisfying. But I mean, you know, he's not that important really in the big scheme of things, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, being Aberdeen's always good though. I mean, it's all it's. Well, the meltdown, the meltdown on social media has been pretty good as well. Um, since the game yesterday, it's been quite quite spectacular. Some of the some of the stuff been going on uh, with some of the Aberdeen fans. So that's been good to see. Um, but yeah, Graham, obviously Celtic dropped points yesterday uh, for the first time this season as well. Um, so that takes us closer to them, a point in it now. Um, do you feel like it's getting back to where Rangers were before, before you know, we, we went down the leagues? But, you know, making the most of that, if the door's left ajar, getting a, a, a big result to, to then go a bit closer. It feels a bit more like the, the old days where that is a bit cat and mouse. Yeah, frequently last season, um, when Celtic could drop points, um, we would also be dropping points. And yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday was was uh, it looked like previous Rangers teams in the way that they would manage games, but it was much better. Than, you know, you could say that, but it was much much better than that. We absolutely destroyed Aberdeen. They weren't in the game at all. They couldn't get a grip with a high press, couldn't get a grip with a mid press, low press was the same. We just played around them. And then we had some fantastic deliveries from either side, from James Tavernier and from Borna Barrison. Uh, you know, yeah, we're looking more like the Rangers that we all know and love. Um, 
Ian, obviously, as I said, it's a point in it now, and, and to have come back so strongly after you know what was really, really disappointing um, result at, uh, at Ibrox against Celtic. You know, it feels like we're now getting back into sort of where we were the first few games of the season, and, and it's now becoming like a title race. And obviously, it's only seven games in, but we we do look we look strong in this moment. Yeah, I mean, I think if you sort of sat at the start of the season and said seven games in, you're a point behind um, on similar goal difference, I think most people would have said, "Well, okay, that's not too bad." I think the you know the, the nature of the the game against Celtic um, is you know disappointed people, uh, obviously, and that's uh, totally understandable. Um, and that's kind of put us. I would say still put some doubts in my mind about, you know, what we're going to do. And I think, you know, the big thing is going to be how we play in the next two old-term games specifically, or certainly the next two league games, if, if unless we go into the uh, the cup final against them as well. Um, you know, winning, when Celtic drop points, we need to, to win. That's important, obviously. But at some point, we're going to have to to beat them as well to get probably to get beyond them, and you know, um, that's going to be the test. But you know, I think I'm hoping that the the the, the last uh, game against them was uh, was a one off, and and that it was uh, something that the the manager and the players have learned from, and uh, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll not go into. Uh, the next game in the same frame of mind, hopefully, and, and will be far more positive. But um, yeah, I mean, I th- you know, I think overall, you would say a point behind at this stage is probably f- fair enough. You'd be quite happy with that. Um, just that that one game has been the has been the, the main negative in the whole season, really. Um, just to just to touch on something you said, there, Ian. When you look at the the old firm games, and obviously the, the last one wasn't so good. And obviously, I'm looking a bit further into the future now but do you think there's still possibly a mental thing with the team and maybe even the fans over going to Parkhead and, and getting results because obviously we've not won there for, for a long time and well can you see us going there you know Christmas time and, and, and beating Celtic is that something you can you can see I don't see I mean I honestly think it shouldn't be something that the, the players should be scared of you know you know, in in the context of Scotland, Celtic are a good team, but you know, so are Rangers, and and you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't go there and get a result. Um, but it's all about the, the you know the, the frame of mind they go into, and I, I suppose a lot of that will depend on where things are in the run up to the game, because you know if if we're we're on a roll, if if Celtic have dropped any points, all that sort of thing will, will have an impact. But you know, at the end of the day, you know absolutely go into that game in a positive frame of mind and there's no reason why we can't win it. They've got the ability, players have got the ability, they know that, that you know, uh, absolutely uh, tanked Celtic last season, um, it's certainly towards the end of the season um, in the game at Ibrox, so there's no reason why that can't happen at, at Celtic Park as well. I mean, it's, you know. I think we might have been a little bit too confident going into that game at Ibrox, to be honest with you. Well, I feel a little bit like that as well. I think there was everyone was sort of getting into that, you know, and feeling. I think you know that that, that game has actually maybe in some ways helped because it's maybe a bit, been a bit of a reality check, and and you know, maybe we're not as uh, 
far ahead. Yeah, still got to win the game. We've got to play it and win the game. Yeah. What are your views on what are your views on that, Graham, in terms of the going to Parkhead? Do you think there's still a, a mental thing, or are you confident that this season can be the season that we, you know, we win there and and, and you know make our mark? I suppose. Yeah, every time we play them, I'm confident that we can beat them. Um, but it's, at the same time, it's always so firm much, you know, and it can go in any direction. It doesn't matter who the form team is. Uh, but every time I play, every team we play, I'm confident that we can win. Um, and I'm, to be honest with you, I think we're due a big result over there uh, at Parkhead. Uh, the last couple of times that we played there, we certainly didn't disgrace ourselves, um, especially after the UFA game. I mean, that was that was a narrow victory for them. And then in the, the follow-up game, we were down to 10 men. And we were a far better team in that second half. If it wasn't for um, some dubious behaviour on the part by their players, there might have been a very, very different. Result. When you look at, I mean, obviously there's still a lot of chat in the media and stuff like that that we're miles ahead, uh, miles behind them. But when you look at the league last season, we lost it by lost it by nine points, and and three of those points were lost in the last game of the season when there was really nothing to play for, and Kilmarnock had everything to play for. You think that's forgotten by a lot of people that it was quite as close last season considering the amount of points we dropped? Yeah, absolutely. We we dropped our points that were uh, should have been wins were turned to draws. We lost a lot of well, lost a lot of points and draws, and that's where we actually lost the league, probably before the New Year game. Um it didn't help that we didn't we didn't start the after the, the winter break as well as we could have. Um and Celtic Celtic were fairly uh uh What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, maintained a, a decent run of form in the in the final straight there. Uh, however, our, our downfall was the, the amount of draws that we had last year, uh, and we don't seem to be either losing or drawing those games at the moment. Um, after we've played each other twice, we'll have a better reflection, I think, of, of where we are in terms of is it possible for us to win the league this year? Um, yeah. You're absolutely right in the, in terms of the the uh, draws and and games that we we lost last season. You know, you look at the games that uh, even right at the start of the season, uh, Aberdeen and and Hibs, I think, which both games that were way ahead in terms of uh, possession and and chances and shots at goal and all the rest of it, and then just blew it. And and that's you know that's four points dropped. Um, possibly more, uh, I can't remember the results, but, the, you know, so that, that's points that could have narrowed the gap quite considerably at the end of the season. And when the gap's closer as well, then the pressure's on and, and the games pan out differently. So if we can keep battling away and winning the games, even when, when uh, not winning in style, but not playing particularly well, but still getting getting the results, then when it comes to the, the, the derbies, when, when, they're, when they're more... Uh, when the teams are closer together or when there's more pressure on, then that's when, when results go differently. It's, it's much easier when you're a few points ahead to uh, to to uh, go into a game with a bit more confidence. But if you're uh, if you've got someone right on your heels or you're actually behind them, then it you know, pans out completely differently. We've seen Celtic uh, in the past uh, under, uh, under Lennon and other managers sort of implode on themselves a wee bit when the pressure's on. So it'll be interesting to see how, 
how uh, Lennon's team reacts under pressure. And if we can keep winning games that uh, we weren't winning last season and keep it close or even get ahead of them at some point, then you know I, I'd like to see how how they react under serious pressure uh, that they they haven't really had at all for the last you know last eight years. So you know, um, so let's let, let's hope that continues. I think it's it's important to remember as well. You know, this time last season we'd drawn a couple of games, we'd lost Celtic. This season, out of seven games, we've won six, you know, and we've, we've won a few there that have been possibly games we would have dropped points last season, um, and we'll just find them ways to win. So it's it's looking positive at the moment in the league. Um, and obviously, just to touch on Wednesday night, to get to get through to the semi-finals and get hearts in, in those semi-finals in the League Cup, um, Ian, it's obviously a, a great chance for us now to hopefully go on and, and have a chance at, at Silverware. How, how did you see the game on, on Wednesday night? I mean, it wasn't pretty, was it? I mean, it was, uh, you know, didn't, didn't particularly enjoy the game. You know, second half uh, at times was, was uh, you know, hide behind the sofa time. And that's the only time actually this season that I've thought that we've looked quite uh, fragile, especially the back um, and a little bit vulnerable looking. I think most of the time, we, we, you know, we've, we've looked pretty solid. Um, and just for some reason or another, that game, it sort of, just looked, you know, a little bit, a little bit iffy at the back. Um, having said that, you know, it was still a clean sheet and and, and didn't concede any goals. Um, there was difficult circumstances. I suppose a cup game was difficult as well because Livingston had nothing to lose, so they just went for it. But you know, it it, it wasn't enjoyable, I have to say. But it was a win, and that's the the most important thing when when you're in, especially in a cup competition, just getting into the next round. And hopefully, it was a it was a one-off uh, in terms of in terms of the poor, uh, particularly midfield and defence. I thought it just looked a bit shaky the whole time. That you know that we haven't seen that so much this season at all. Uh, Graham, just to, to touch on a few incidents from the game as well. Um, obviously, Joe Rebo came away with twenty stitches. There was there was a London Dykes challenge on on Goldson, um, and then obviously there seemed to be a rush to get. Holanda sent off as well for for the tangle with, with Landon Dykes, which to be fair, I thought was a was a foul on Holanda um, myself. Um, what did you make of some of the challenges and some of the decisions that went forward against Rangers on on Wednesday night? The uh, the Holanda incident that you're talking about, I'm in agreement with you. I think it was a foul on Holanda, but uh, I've heard a lot of people talking and saying, you know, that uh, it's a possible red card for Holanda. And uh, the way Scottish football is played, especially at that kind of level, that's the sort of result. Uh, that's the sort of uh, decision that a referee would make. And I think that's a real problem for Scottish football. Uh, we've got this overemphasis on physicality. Um, and when you when you look at the, the challenge that uh, is it Lama you call him makes on uh, Joe Aribo, he's already taken Alfredo Morelos out. Alfredo's managed to to cover his head uh, and ride that challenge. But then he makes it straight away. As soon as he lands, he's making another challenge on Joe Rebo, And he absolutely smashes Joe Rebo in the face. Now, you've got to remember, Joe Rebo's just a young guy. And we had a similar incident happen with Motherwell in the same competition. I'm sure it's the same competition where he, uh, the player smashed um, Fabio Cardoso's face. So that's two young players we've had 
on the park who have had their faces rearranged, essentially. Um, and the referee, I'm looking at the Don Robertson, I'm saying, what exactly is it you're seeing here, Don? Because this player's made two challenges, both with his elbows, and you haven't even given a foul. In any other league in the world, that's a red card. Or in any other competition in the world, those are red cards. Both challenges. The first one on Alfredo, and then the second one on Joe Aribo. But no, that game's allowed to play on as if nothing's happened. Yet today, watching sports scene, I don't generally watch sports scene, but coming on the pod, I decided oh, I'll watch this sports scene and see what they've got to say. The fourth official draws the game back for a foul on, I think it's James Forrest, Hibs at Celtic, when Hibs are breaking. And I'm thinking to myself, Kevin Clancy's looking at that and thinks that there's nothing in that, so he's going to play it on. But the fourth official's decided to get himself involved in the game, which it's the right call because it was a foul. However, that doesn't happen against Livingston during the week. And I'm thinking, what's the difference here? What is it that these people on the park who are supposed to be officiating these games are seeing? Are they seeing nothing? Or are they actually seeing the damage that's being caused to young men? So if you want to talk about that game, you have to talk about what Livingston's got. Livingston are a hard, strong, well-organized team. And they'd like to throw themselves about a bit. And to be fair, when you're watching it, to me, it's just charging all over the park and getting in front of a player when he's about to control a ball in much the same way as we've seen Henrik Larson put his foot on top of the ball and win a penalty at Hamden against us. There's nothing to constitute that he's got the ball under control and it's not a foul either. So we need to do this. I think our officials need to tidy up our game a little bit. And I don't mind a meaty challenge. A meaty challenge is fine. However, when you're, when you're infringing and breaking the rules of the game and endangering other players, then referees need to take control of that. I think yeah. it sums up quite a lot. Sorry to interrupt. No, I, I think it sums up quite a lot about you know the mentality of Scottish football in general is that huge amount of talking about the uh, the incident involving the Hollander and whether he should have been sent off, which was a nothing incident really, one of these things that happens all the time. And virtually nothing about an incident where somebody, you know, suffers a an injury that results in them needing twenty stitches and, and is going to be out for several weeks. And you know, it, it's a it, you know, the priorities here seem to be all out. You know, we, whether whether that uh, Livingston player went in there deliberately to to cause injury or or not, if he was just reckless, wh- whatever he did, he caused that injury because of the the way he uh, went into that challenge. And you can't say that that's just a part of the you know the way football is played because it you know people shouldn't be coming out with head injuries that result in blood pouring from from a head wound in any sense so you know we're, we're, we have these big debates about whether uh, whether the, the Rangers players should have been uh, sent off for that challenge and barely anyone talking about the, the you know the, the out of control incident that resulted in somebody suffering a severe injury and it just to me you know, it's typical of the way that uh, Scottish football looks at uh, these things, and it's you know, it's just you know, until until we can move on from that sort of uh, tolerance of uh, violence, basically, you know, the, the, we're, we're not going to progress as a as a country in, in terms of football, and you know, and more importantly, it's it's uh, not going to. Uh, help young players develop and you know absolutely and there was another one on Alfredo Morelos by um, is it McGinn you call him um, now McGinn uh, on Saturday 
he's, he's completely over the top of the ball. He's taking Alfredo out ankle height, which is an exceptionally dangerous challenge. He's out of control and nothing, nothing said or done about it. Then that's the way Mr. Madden likes to play the game, apparently, when it's Rangers that's playing. Do you not think, I mean, I don't want to go down too much this road, but when you watch these games, and I think, personally, I think this has been the case for a few years now, where teams play us, they try to bully us and, and are sometimes quite successful. And even when you look at the game Wednesday night, there's been a couple of meaty challenges. Do you not think there comes a time, and I, I know I, I completely get what you're saying, I agree in the sense that these sort of things need to be stamped out, but should their senior players not be stepping up and not giving a, not giving a bit back in, in the sense of a, an elbow to the head, but is there not a way that our players can then just stand up for themselves a bit more because I feel like sometimes we are we're getting bullied by these these hammer throws in in games when you're when you're one like Wednesday night and you're being bullied like that and then it, it slowly just ebbs away in the game and then as you saw at the end we were under real pressure Ian does there not come a time where some of the senior players have got to step up and and just stand up for for their teammates a wee bit in these situations. Well, I mean, I don't really know what you can. I, I know what you're saying, but I, I, you know, what 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 do you do? I mean, you can't you can't go in and deliver like like with light, you know, and you can't uh, go back in and throw throw elbows around or go in the over the top channel challenges because you know fine well that. Um, yeah, it's going to result in a red they're, card. They're going it? to get red, exactly. They're yeah. going to get a red card for it. So but, you know, yeah. the, the, I mean, that, I, that has been happening, and and and, and so I'm, I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, I know you know, yeah, they need to stand up to these players and and confront them. But you know, if if they're breaking the rules of of the game, the only way to combat that, I suppose, is to break the rules of the game, and and you know, then you're taking the the chance that you're going to end up with. Uh, ten men or nine men in on the park, you know, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah. I, th- I think in the past, if Livingston play against the Celtic, it's, I think it's the next match. If Livingston play against Celtic in the same way that they played against us in midweek, that game will probably have to be stopped because there'll be so many players red carded and sent off. I do. I, so what? Hi, I know what you mean, but. I just feel I feel that we've become a, an easy target in these games. I think these these sorts of teams, your Motherwells and your Livingstons, do target us in that way more than more so than they would they would the other teams. Not what I'm getting at, and by by biting back, I suppose I mean more. If there's a fifty, I don't 50, think they do though, David. Harder. I don't really. think they do though, David. I think that I think the 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 level of. Uh, I think it's the same in every match. I mean, I was watching, as I said, I watch sports scene. I generally don't watch sports scene, but there were tackles like that in every single game. Do you think it's a wider issue in, in Scottish football then? Yeah, there was some, it's, a, it's a severe problem with Scottish football. The, mm. the officials are not able to control, control those games and they're, not, they're supposed to be there to keep players on the park and to protect other players. But they're not doing their job. It's as simple as that. Because they're poor. Not because they're corrupt, like a lot of Rangers fans and a lot of people in Scotland seem to think that referees are corrupt. They're just not good enough. It's worrying. It's worrying from a Scottish football point of view because they're they're very well paid as well, but they're not full time either. So it's a wider issue, probably for another day. But I think the 
the officials clearly need to be looked at because I think you're getting so many, so many contentious decisions, and it's been going on for so long. And like if Scotland have a bad result, you know that the press will move on to the next refereeing issue the following week. It's that sort of thing. And if Rangers or Celtic have a bad result, there's always one bad refereeing result uh, uh, decision around the corner to to take the pressure off whoever the pressure's on that week. And that's that's worrying that it's so common that it comes so often and I don't know I mean I don't know what you can do about the officiating because it's how many Graham for instance how many referees can you pick from our current top flight that you think are decent I think my silence speaks (laughs) volumes actually I don't think there's any um, I mean, I'm not getting, I, I, I think struggling at the moment with injuries and stuff, right? The fact, okay, that you get sometimes you get you get injuries like Ryan Kent's where he's pulled up a hamstring because of, because he's a, a he's a pace player and, and his his explosive pace can cause those ha- hamstring tears. So you sometimes get that you get the one or two of them throughout the season. But the vast majority of teams, including Hearts, Hearts are, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel at the moment with their team with so many impact injuries and injuries from tackles and whatnot. That when we play them in the next game, I'll be lucky if they if they can field, you know, five of the first team normal uh, their normal first team players. Aberdeen yesterday had two or three players out due to injury. Um, and various other teams throughout the league are, are, are having similar problems. So, like, it's not just Rangers that are experiencing these these horrendous tackles and over the top of the ball and clattering people's faces and stuff. It's the whole league. And what I would say is, I mean, I think, you know, referees have a, a really difficult job overall across the world. Every referee, I, w- I would never be a referee. Just, you know, you, there's so much going on that you're always going to be at risk of, of missing something. Um, sometimes they miss really obvious things and that's where they need to be uh, you know, pulled up about it. But surely the responsibility here to stop all this is not necessarily with the referees. It's with the, the, the managers and the coaches and the players to start playing the game the way it's supposed to be played, not uh, going over the top in tackles, you know, throwing themselves about, uh, throwing leading elbows and all the rest of it you know the responsibilities with the players and the same applies when it comes to things like diving and all the rest of it referees always get the blame when somebody they give a penalty for someone diving well sometimes it's obvious but quite a lot is the time it's not obvious and it's just because the player has been uh, clever enough if that's what you want to call it to con the referee and you know I'll, I'll defend them to some extent because you know I think the the job that they have to do is is almost impossible when players break the rules all the time, and and in Scotland we seem to have a particular problem with uh, with players going wildly over the top with challenges, uh, and maybe the rules should be tightened in in terms of how how tackles are dealt with, but you know, until the players start behaving themselves, then you know there's you know these things are always going to happen no matter whether players get sent off or, or not. So, you know, yeah. Cla- another classic example of it, Ian was on Saturday when uh, uh, Greg Stewart was moving in for for basically a second penalty. I mean, if he doesn't get taken down in a rugby tackle like that, um, then, then there's a good chance that he's scoring that. Yeah. The issue is that the the, the double jeopardy rule is, seems to be, in that case, misinterpreted because that player has no intentions of going for the ball. 
If he makes an honest challenge for the ball and he takes the player out, then no, he doesn't get booked. The penalty is enough. But he's not making a challenge for the ball. He's taking the player out. And that's yeah. a red card. Yeah, I don't understand that. You know, that's that's a case where the referee has obviously, to my mind, made a mistake. You know, that there's a clear goal scoring opportunity and he's he's made no attempt to win the ball. And if if he thinks it's a foul, then clearly he should go off. You know, that's straightforward to me. And that is a case where the referee, you know, has has made the, the wrong decision. But yeah, I think uh, I think we'll move on because we could have a two-off special on referees probably. So to to look ahead to um, Thursday night's meeting with young boys and second uh, Europa League group stage game, Ian, um, they are obviously second in the Swiss Super League at the moment behind Basel, uh, five games unbeaten. And they've yet to lose in the league. Uh, they lost their first game against Porto in the group stages 2-1. How are you feeling about the, about the upcoming game? Well, it's going to be a difficult game, I think. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, we, you know, I think over the last couple of seasons, we've, you know, Rangers have shown that they can go to other uh, difficult venues and put up a performance. It's a question, I suppose, of not just putting a performance on, but uh, actually getting through and uh, and managing the game enough and getting the result at, at some point. I, mean, I think a, a draw would be a good result uh, this week. Um, if we can win our home games and, and take a couple of points on the road, then I think that would definitely be uh, definitely be um, our best bet in this in this group because it is a, a, a difficult group. Um, that said, you know, you know, we've got players that can score goals. So, you know, if we can keep it tight in defence and and keep the head and, and not just have the sort of funny five minutes that we seem to have and and just about every European game, um, if we can just sort of get through that, keep it tight and uh, and everyone's up up for the battle in midfield, and you know. I could easily see us grabbing a goal. As I say, a draw would be would be good. Uh, you know, a win would be fantastic. It will be difficult because they're obviously a good team. Um, Graham, where do we need to improve this season? Uh, obviously, last season we dropped a few points, especially from a winning position in Moscow, and then disappointing performance in Vienna. Where do we need to improve away from home in, in the group stages? Anyway, uh, this season. Um, I think we need to improve our game management. Uh, we need to be a lot smarter. Uh, I think we've got the right man in the middle of the park at the moment, and Stephen Davis, who could who could possibly be the key to that. However, I wanted to talk about Bern. I mean, Bern are, a, are one of those teams that, that uh, consistently does well um, and probably punches above their weight in European tournaments and have done for a number of years. And as you rightly say, they're, they're five games unbeaten. However, it's three draws sandwiched between two wins. They won the last game and they won the, the, the fifth last game. Um, they won the last game 3-2. Uh, the, the, what was it called? The top of the league? I can't remember the name of the top of the league now. Uh, they're on Basel. A, Basel, yeah. They're on a better runner for them. They're on two. Uh, they're on the last five games. They've only drawn one. They've won every, every, every other one. Home and away. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Bern travel very well. But then again, they also play on uh, a plastic surface at home, uh, which means that the other teams who have not played on that plastic surface, and albeit a new plastic surface this year, 
Um, it might find it quite difficult uh, with the bounce of the ball and the way the ball moves. And according to um, the, the, the the blogger, is it Power you call the guy? Um, he says that the surface is, is running a lot better than previous surfaces. However, it's still a plastic surface in Bern and European tournaments tend to play a lot better than you would expect. So we have to be on our game and we have to manage that game really well. And yes, we do have players who can score. But if we do score, we need to protect that. I'll come to you. I'll come to you both on this one. Um, but Ian, first, who would you start on Thursday to give us the, the best chance? Obviously, bearing in mind it's an away game in, in the Europa League and it might take a, a different um, setup to, to who would play at home. But what would you what would you sort of go for on Thursday? Um, well, I, would, I mean, certainly defence. I think you know that's going to be a you know the key um, the key position. And Hollander was. Uh, Great against Feyenoord, didn't have a, as good a game against um, uh, Livingston the other night. Um, I personally would prefer the golson Katic partnership in the middle of uh, defence just because they've played more together more often. Um, but, you know, I think, we, you know, either, either of those partnerships would probably be fine. Um, and then you're, you're looking at the same... Uh, fullbacks, um, Parasic is, is you know, in, in the last, the few weeks since the last time I was on the pod, the um, he's he's really come on leaps and bounds and, and is far more consistent than than, than he had been previously and, and looks a lot stronger defensively than than he had been previously. Uh, Tavernier uh, was back to being closer to his best uh, yesterday I think so I mean and there's no question of of him not starting anyway um, I suppose the midfield is going to be the question and you know you look at the the lineup yesterday and think well is, you know that looked pretty strong to me I mean I, I would be inclined to, to to say you know go with that and 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 let our, our fast guys uh, on the left, so Ojo and, and maybe Barker on the on the other side to uh, to to try and stretch them if we if we get the chance to. And I, I would definitely start with Morelos in the middle because he's um, you know capable of of producing something a bit special, but also will really uh, run their defence ragged and have them you know worried the whole time. So I think you know it, it's all about being being strong, but also you know taking the chances when we can. Um, I mean, I was on here about a month ago and Ross posed the question to me, is there any way back for Borna Barisic? And I, and I thought at the time, I don't think Borna Barisic has done anything wrong. Um, in terms of his skill, he's far superior to uh, John Flanagan and Andy, uh, Andy Halliday. Um, and to be honest with you, he's 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 become a lot more physical, and uh, all it's taken for the Rangers fans to get properly on his side is one or two meteor tackles, not sure kind of 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 fifty fifties and stuff, and the Rangers fans are right on him. And then as soon as you can see, you know that he do he's doing that well, uh, then we've got every chance to open up any team on the left-hand side, as well as the right-hand side. And of course, you've got Alfredo in the middle, who's now added dropping deep, left or right or centre, into his game. Um, 
I think it, it will be a difficult game for 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 Bern as well. Uh, but I think that Greg Stewart, it might be a you know it might be a, a game too far for Greg at the moment, um, and he might play Scott Arfield in there in that position, um, and go with uh, uh, Steve Davis and uh, Ryan Jack in there, and possibly somebody else to to to, to beef it up a bit. Um, I don't know. He might play. He might play George, which was interesting. He played them, you know, towards the end of the game uh, on Saturday. I'm talking about George Edmondson. Um, he might play him as like a holding midfielder, uh, and go with um, Katic and Goldson, and uh, of course Barisic, Tav, and McGregor. Um, we really do have to manage this game well. Um, it's all about how we use the ball when we've got it and how long we keep it. And uh, I'm sure that the Bern midfield doesn't like you pressing uh, high on them. Uh, So if we can get in around them um, and close off their space to move the ball around, then there's a good chance we could come away from there with a result, whether that's a win or whether it's a draw. We'll we'll have to wait till Thursday, unfortunately, to see. I'm quite keen to to ask you about this as well um, Ian I'm struggling with Ojo a wee bit I'm finding him quite frustrating to watch and I, I like him going forward I think he's obviously pacey and scored a great goal against Feyenoord but I do worry about him in these big European games just his work rate getting back because especially the first sort of 20 minutes against Feyenoord Barisic was left wide open with, with two men on him quite consistently um, because Ojo wasn't tracking quite as well as he could have. Is that a concern for you that he c- could cost us, and especially in these games where we may have to defend a lot more than we would at home? Well, I mean, I, I suppose that's down to uh, down to the, the manager to you know drum it into him that that's what he needs to do. I mean, I th- you know, I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be able to do it. You know, as long as he understands that's what his role is. And I don't know, you know, what he'd been asked to do in that final game, maybe. You know, because we were at home, maybe it's a, a different approach that would be taken. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I I think he is a frustrating player because he's he's young and he's you know he's not got the experience and the, the you know the the uh, you know he's not you know not played at that level uh, at all before. So you know this is all new to him and, and yeah, maybe he needs you know he needs to be managed better in terms of how he how he plays the games. But I think he has the you know, he has the ability to do something a wee bit different. He's when it gets into the you know, the opposition's half, and in, especially in a game where you know where Rangers are going to be probably under more pressure than they might be in, in a home game or in a domestic game. Um, having an outlet like that, but his pace and there's a couple of occasions uh, in in recent games where he's uh, he's shown amazing pace to get the ball, and perhaps he, he could have done better in. In the end, but you know he, he certainly has the has the ability to uh, to cause other teams trouble. So, you know, yeah, you're you're probably right. He probably needs to give a bit more support to the to the defence. Um, but you know, that's down to the manager to to get into his head that he's got to do that. And at the moment, you know, I'm not really sure what, what, what alternative we would have to play him anyway uh, at, at this stage because of, because of the the injury situation. So it might be that he, you know he'll he'll have to step up to the to the plate a bit and, and, and do that. 
I mean, Ian, um, I want to pick up on something you said there. The key to that uh, that guy is he's a kid. He's just a young player. And he's going to be inconsistent. Um, He's positioning in the park sometimes. uh, You know, there's there's a lot of a desire for it. But as far as I'm concerned, he's improved vastly since since he's come in. Yeah. Uh, When he first came in the first couple of games, I seen him, I thought, okay, this boy can, he's got great feet and he's got great pace. But the end result is he's running into players. So we've seen the same issue with Ryan Kent at the beginning of the last season when he started with us. Um, his end product didn't come till you know a few game, a good few games in. Um, but even at that, Ryan Kent didn't have the greatest end product. He was just an exciting player to watch. And I think the Ojo is one of those players. He can really unlock a game when he's when he's in the mood for it. But he tends to look a little bit languid and a little bit lazy at times and doesn't track. And uh, I think that's because of his positioning. He sees himself 30 yards off off the game and he, 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 he's a, he resigns himself to, oh, I can't get there. Well, it doesn't matter if you can't get there. Get close. If you get close, then you can cut off some other ball to another player. Uh, I think that's I think that's what needs to be worked on in that lad's game. But other than that, he has, he has, all, the, he has all the tools to, to unlock defences with some outrageous skill. I think what problem you know, guys coming into uh, Scotland playing for Rangers have is that they don't get the same. You know, you don't get the same sort of space to play when you play for for Rangers against most of the opposition that we play against because of the way they play. So the way they're set up, you don't have that space to run into. So if, if your game is based on on speed uh, or you know breaking away, then you know you have to come up with something different. And I think it takes a while for for these guys to uh, to to understand that, and if they've got the the, the brains and the to go with the talent, then they will do that. And I think Kent, you know, as as the season progressed, he he did understand that and, and became a, a better player for it. And hopefully, Ojo will as well. But the yeah. European games actually are probably a better environment for them because the you know the opposition are more likely to be attacking and more likely to give you space, and, and you're more likely to be able to use those basic talents that you've got already so you know for a guy like Ojo you know a, a, a European run is probably a great thing and I think it worked for for Kent last season he 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 flourished in Europe the European games I think and you know Ojo could as well if if, if he sort of uses his his skills that he has already and then you know develops his other skills in the domestic games as the season progresses. Your chat is coming up with the Ojo only last 70 minutes in general, which is a fair comment. And you would expect that from from a young player, to be honest with you. I think once he, you know, he's he's, he's going to take games to get his stamina levels up there, especially with the expectation, you know, the psychological expectations of a young player in a game like that. And as you say, when he plays in Europe, he's got a lot more space to move in because they they're they're more interested in a slower build up and a slower a slower way to play the game, more tactical, more technical. Um, whereas when he's playing against teams in the SPL, uh, he's, he's he's closed down really quickly. But he's still done okay for us in the SPL. Um, Ian, a score prediction for Thursday? I'm gonna say. One all. Um, two one Rangers. I think two one Rangers as well. well um, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but that's that's pretty much all of time for tonight. So um, thanks to Ian Graham for joining me uh, tonight. 
And as I said at the start of the show, you can download or stream uh, After Live broadcast uh, on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Switcher and Spotify. Um, and please go on and, and, and like us on social media and follow us on Twitter. Um, you'll get all the updates on what we're doing there. Um, and thanks for listening. Good night.